Welcome to the 346th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 23rd, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this year's show. That's right, 50%, because who's back from the tropics? It's Carlos Rodella. I'm back from the jungle. I'm back from the jungle. I've done a lot of uh, cutting of weeds and jungle parts. I don't know what they're called. Uh, <laughs> bushes, trees, bushes, vines. I yeah, don't know. vines. There was a lot of vines. One got around my leg, and I couldn't move. Oh, but I'm dangerous. back from the crazy jungle. Welcome back, dude. It's been a while. I'm very excited to have you back. Uh, it's good to hear your voice again. I'm glad you made it back in one piece. Got your shots, got some antibiotics, and you're good to go, right? I'm almost there. You know, it, it, it wounded me. The, <laughs> the jungle was rough. I've right. heard it's very rough. I've heard it's very rough. So we'll help you with that trauma. We'll get you past it. Folks, Carlos is back. Um, just a really quick update um, for the schedule for the near future. I think Carlos is probably going to be doing every other show. Does that sound about right, Carlos? It's about right. Let's say TBD, but uh, okay. also um, who knows how long I have to be in this jungle. It's like a job now, a second job. Second job because yeah. we all got to make ends meet. Everybody's gigging these days. And yes. if you got to go to the jungle and hack down some bushes, that's what you got to do. All right, folks, he's back. I'm back. We're ready to get this show on the road. I was going to say off the road, which may be appropriate because you are in a jungle, so it would be off road. Yeah, I was very off road. Yeah. No, let's say on the road for this one. We've got a big show this week. We're going to just get right into the thick of things. Starting off with housekeeping, folks, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. His side, my side, everything's a mess, and we're tidying up right here, right now. It's housekeeping. Carlos, what you got on your side of the room? Well, a couple of real world things because I was in the real world in the jungle. Very real. Jungle's a real place, yeah. Yeah. And right outside the jungle, weirdly enough, was a Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> right next to the Starbucks, right? Yeah. Well, they, it was inside it. There was a Starbucks. Oh, there you go. There, yeah. Exactly. There you go. So I went out of the jungle into Barnes and Nobles because I was like, well, this is here. And I got some real world uh kind of game and, and game adjacent books. Books? What is a book? It's a thing that's like made from paper or hopefully recycled paper. And uh, and you open it and then you read and look at pictures and stuff. That's wild. I'm gonna um, Google that. But go ahead and keep telling us about it. Yeah. Well, on the picture front, I got a magazine, Edge Magazine. Remember that? What Edge Magazine? They still print that? Yeah. Um, and it's really good because I like the idea of having, you know, a quick like look at what's going on, but also it's not just like updated all the time online, memes and you know edits and stuff to like web pages it's like just this thing that they wanted to tell you about like an interview yeah um, the, the i guess i guess that's an advantage right because they know you're paying money number one which is something you can't get people to do on the internet so you, they're you're paying money yep. you're sitting down they know you want to read the words so i guess they're going to be more intentional and give you something more substantial right right but again this is something before you know internet or whatever like was just very normal which is how you delineate information was in this format, this kind of shortened format. Yeah. If you think about it, this these pages, like if I'm looking at one right now, it's talking about the game Nighthawks. It's it's about showing the imagery and you getting excited, you know, of the consumer or whatever, uh, and then telling a little bit of history and in a short form, not like a full book. Um, and I just love that feeling. So we get some of that through Twitter and we get some of that through websites and your website, you know, Game Critics. But I just like the idea of one, being able to just bring it with you, the tactile feel of it. And like you said, kind of a very focused idea of what they're giving you for the money. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I love it. I recommend it to people, especially gamers, uh, people who play video games. Edge Magazine, love it. And also I picked up a manga, which I haven't picked up in a while. Wow, um, was it heavy? Yeah, I picked it up and I was like, wow, I've got to work out. <laughs> uh, You've been doing too much leg day, bro. You got can't skip arms. Well, I'm doing arms in the jungle now. Okay, um, so anyways, it's called Delicious Dungeon, and it's like an RPG-ish uh, manga, and the idea is that these um, companions go into this dungeon, and then they're really poor, so they don't have enough money for food and rations, so they got to eat the monsters in the dungeon. Nice. That's nice. the whole the, the bit. And this, I believe I've seen this one. I, I, I know there's a couple like this, but I think this is what I'm thinking of where it doesn't have actual recipes in the back of the book or like in the middle of the book or something. Yeah, it definitely feels like as you're going along, they're like planning out how they're going to eat these monsters. It's gross kind of in a way, uh, but it's very funny. And I like any RPG, you know, uh, piece of media, but definitely a manga has been fun to go back to. Oh, right on. Interesting, interesting. Has there like 27 million uh, uh, entries in that series, or do you know how, how many is Oh, in that I don't series? know. I just picked it up because it was volume one. So oh, gotcha. we'll right, see cool. what happens. But it just, uh, my friendly reminder to people to go pick up physical media too. It's, uh, it's fun, especially when it comes to gaming books and magazines. Oh, it's funny you mentioned physical media, dude, because uh, I'm not going to talk about it on the show, but I went back to Hitman 3. I know that you played Hitman 3, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know. I am a famous Hitman fan. We haven't talked about it in a while, but like uh, when Corey Motley was doing the show before you joined, uh, we did like, I think a famous, like it was nearly a five hour podcast just oh, on yeah. Hitman. We went through every game, every mission. Uh, we, you know, you can ask me about anything Hitman, but for whatever reason, honestly, I, I just bounced off of Hitman 3. I did not get into it, which is so strange because I love the series so much. So I came back to it. Um, I'll get into the the you know what I thought of it and all that stuff later on. I'll make that for a future show. But it's funny because I sat down in front of my PlayStation Five and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play some Hitman and I hit start and it's like insert disc and I'm like, what? Hmm? Insert a what? I, I I literally was paralyzed for a moment because like like God's honest truth, dude. Although I I am a lover of physical media, I haven't bought a disc in so long that I was like what is this like a bug do i do i even have a disc for this i just like started running around like a chicken with my head cut off and i couldn't well like wh where would i even put a disc where did it go i, I like no fucking clue what? what and i did i was like okay so wait i better go down to the basement i got a box of games somewhere and it was it was in there and i could not remember ever buying it i didn't remember ever having a disc because i just got so used to this digital future where everything's on your hard drive or everything's on the cloud and you just download it or whatever yeah Man, it threw me for a fucking loop that I had to go find a disc. It was such a weird blast from the past, but not really even that far in the past, but it feels like a million years ago now. Well, and also it, it means you must have installed it with that disc. Exactly. That's exactly right. what happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause normally, cause I have Hitman three too, and I never, I just bought it digitally. So it never asked me for that. Oh man. It was just the weirdest fucking thing. I like was frozen and didn't know how to proceed. Nice. I was like, what does not compute disc? What? Yeah. Anyway, so fucking weird. All I right. do miss going to those stores though, and and buying a physical game too. I like, oh, yeah, I like the dude. store idea. It felt good. Oh yeah, dude, for real. Like just to get on the old man soapbox for a minute here. I mean, at Game Critics, we don't run this article anymore, but I had a really long running article series called Bargain Basement, where I would literally go to a store and dig through their bargain bins and see what was $5, what was $10. And I would pick something out and I would bring it back and play it. And I would write about those. I mean, I had like, that was one of our most popular articles. As a matter of fact, it was a, a really, really popular feature, but that's just not a thing that I do anymore. I mean, I guess we could do like a what's on sale, but it doesn't have the same feeling of like, 
you know, going to a place and digging through a bin and seeing what surprises are waiting for you in the box. And you never yeah. know, you know, that old school stuff. Well, actually, to that point real quick, uh, the same day that I got out of the jungle and went to Barnes & Noble's, I went over to, um, and this is a local reference, but Game Over Video Games, I think it's what it's called. Game Over? Where is that? Is it on the I east believe. side? It's east side, yeah. And um, indie shop, so I always recommend those. And I went in, and again, I was like, oh, yeah, I own everything. Did they recognize you when you walk in? Was it like Norm from Chairs? Were like, Carlos! No, no, no. No? no? Okay. But, um, but I, you know what I mean? Like when I go to the PlayStation 4 or PS5 section, I'm like, well, I don't need to go to this section ever. You've got everything. I have already. everything on my computer, yeah. on my PlayStation. So, but like old school stuff is still there. You know, my TurboGrafx, my weird Atari cartridges and stuff like that. But yeah, if it's new stuff, I would never go to a store for that because I already have it. Yeah, it's funny, and it's and this, is, and this is not a brag or anything. I don't think either one of us are bragging, but it's like, you know, with me being the editor of Game Critics and getting access to so many games, and you being the crazy gameophile that you are, it's like between the two of us, we own, like, every game in existence. Yeah. And I think the last time that I went to, like, a GameStop, there's one near my house, I walked in and I looked at the shelves, and it was like, I literally... it was The store could have been divided into two sections. First section, shit I don't care about. Second section, something I already owned. And yeah. there was like nothing and, and Funko Pops. And that was it. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I, I kind of stopped going a while ago. Hey, real quick. Speaking of old time things or oldie time things, which is neither of those are terms. Um, <laughs> Danny O'Dwyer, uh, who does no clip on YouTube. Yes. Yes. He just started uploading all these old videos. Um, basically, like, what are those mini cassettes called? Um did Digi Eight or whatever they are. I had some too. There's always this little like a video video format. Yeah, or like what are VHS. About? Think think VHS. But there's like these little mini DV tapes, and I had this too because we were both in like you know the gaming industry. Is this like handheld camcorder? Yeah, territory? yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. And so what we, we'd get the, a lot of those in the game press world when I worked at GameSpot, when I worked at MeVio and stuff, and. They were actual, like, you know, physical, again, back to physical. Actual physical cassettes. media, yeah, cassettes. And the quality was pretty good, but whenever back then the technology wasn't very good to encode things. So when we ripped it and stuff like that and put it up online for sure, really sure. bad bandwidth, yeah, it yeah, yeah. looked shitty. So he's taking all his old uh, boxes of tapes he has and he's re encoding them at like 1080p and stuff. Wow. Um, and so go over to, it's called uh, No Clip Game History uh, Archive. Interesting. And yeah, which uh, is really cool uh, for him to do. It takes a lot of work, but yeah, he just game put history up, is something we should all we should all pay more attention to game history for sure. A hundred percent. And a lot of these things, you know, have never been seen. Like period, because they just couldn't get encoded or something. So, anyway, check that out. This is a retro yeah. episode. All of a sudden. Yeah, right on. Well, speaking of Danny O'Dwyer and Noclip, that was a really good segue that I'm sure you probably didn't even plan, but he actually just requ- uh, re- uh, released a brand new video on Vampire Survivors. Yeah, He did yeah. one of his, uh, you know, Noclip documentaries, and I just watched it. I, I don't make a lot of time for YouTube because um, I just don't have a lot of time to start with, but I do enjoy his his uh, his features. I've watched a couple of his, and they've all, they're always really well done. And this one came out. It's only like 30 minutes long, so it's pretty short. But, you know, Vampire Survivors took the world by storm like last year or whenever that was. And uh, it was just interesting to hear uh, the developer, who's an Italian guy, talking about how where he came from and how the game came about and then talking to his team. But it was funny because he does not want to be on camera. He is very uh, shy and he wants his privacy, right? So he, didn't, he, he said he would do an audio interview, did not want to do a video interview. 
but this is YouTube, right? So what did they do? They created a puppet for him and it was yeah. really hilarious. It was really funny. It was really good. I saw him like pre working on the puppet or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it worked really well, I think. So yeah, check that out. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Pretty funny. What else you got, Carlos? Anything? That's it. All right. Let me give you folks a quick update. I want to circle back uh, for probably the final time to Aliens Dark Descent. I know I've been banging on about it forever. Uh, I can't shut up about it as a huge Aliens fan. I think this is a, a great game. And also as a huge strategy tactics fan, it's also a great game. It's a great game in many ways. Uh, unfortunately, it is not entirely great, and that is the sad news I need to bring to the show today. So, uh, last time we talked about it last week, I was getting close to the end, and I thought I would probably have it finished by by this show. And I would have. I would have, except uh, this game is pretty buggy. I've said that before, and it hasn't really been anything super devastating. There's just been weird things. Like one time I, uh, I threw a gr- an electricity grenade on an alien, and it killed him. But then his top half separated from his bottom half and the top half chased me around. Oh, that's funny. As a corpse. Yeah, it was it was 1000% not what was supposed to happen. But like this this floating corpse chased me through. I mean, it eventually killed me, which was weird and dumb. But anyway, lots of bugs. And usually you reload a save or you just power through. It's no big deal. But there are a couple showstoppers. One is the elevator bug, which I think I might have talked about before. I'm not going to get into that now, but uh, the other one is a more serious one and, and probably the most serious one. It's called the Pharos Spire bug. It's pretty well known. Lots of people have been hit by it, including yours truly. And what this bug is, is you get to the third level before the end of the game, before you roll credit. So you're like, you're like hop, skip and a jump. You are spitting distance mm. from the end of the game, right? Uh, only really one major level and one teeny, 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 tiny little level. And then you're done. Roll credits. And this is this game is much bigger than people thought it was. It's pretty substantial. Not boring. It's been great all the way through. But you get to Pharaoh Spire. And what happens is there's supposed to be a cutscene that triggers when you beat the boss. And after that cutscene, it takes you into the next level. Well, the bug is that the cutscene doesn't roll. And if the cutscene doesn't roll, you don't get taken to the next level. And there's no way to select it. And you can't go there. So there's nothing you can do. You are stuck waiting at the hub of the game. Uh, for something that's not coming and that happened to lots of people happened to me uh, and I can't progress there's literally nothing you can do I went back I reloaded saves I shut off the PlayStation I deleted reinstalled I mean because it's like I put so many hours in this game and I loved it I really 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 wanted to finish it and I just couldn't I talked to the developers and PR and they're like oh that really sucks and I'm like yeah it does suck that you guys released this with this really easy to find easily reproducible bug um, but that's it. I ended up not being able to get past it. The developers didn't have a fix. They had no ETA, no other information, which is really disappointing. I realize they're probably a smaller developer, but this is like a like galaxy class bug that's easily found and should be fixed. And it's a complete showstopper. So it's a bummer they didn't fix it. Uh, because if not for that, this game would easily have been my top five. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Top five of the year. I would recommend it to everybody. I have been recommending it to everybody. And I feel like an asshole now because... I need to say, don't buy this game because it is un unfinishable, which is not cool. Well, unfinishable for some, you know. For, well, yeah, you don't yeah, it, for some, not everybody, but a, a a much much larger number than you would think are being hit by this bug. You can find it on Reddit, you can find it on Google, you can find it on Steam. Tons of people get hit by this bug. It's very very common, way too common. Yeah. So bummer. Um, and that's probably how my journey in Aliens: Dark Descent ends. I just. Uh, with a whimper and a, and a tear. Well, it's almost like a bad uh, relationship that ends or something, or maybe a good relationship that ends, and you just, like, got to remember the good times. Oh, gosh, that's really sad. Yes, you got to remember the good times. And, boy, I had some really good times, if not for right. this bug. 
what a wonderful what a wonderful game and it's 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 doubly disappointing because aliens is an ip that has been famously hard to develop for lots of aliens games very few good aliens games but this i mean honestly i even last week said it was the best one ever made which i stand by as long as they fix the fucking bugs so anyway yeah. really sad i couldn't finish it end of story deleted moving on with my life um, one more thing for me to mention really quickly. It's not enough for me to talk about in the main portion of the show, but I did want to mention really quickly gunsmith simulator. Uh, Carlos, do you, do you tinker with guns? Do you own a lot of firearms? Are you a gun guy? Uh, not at all. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Good golly. <laughs> me neither. But, uh, my son, uh, is really into that kind of stuff. He's like a teenager and he's going through his like war and guns and boy stuff and all that you know kids kind of go well boy kids anyway in my experience kind of go through a phase like that every once in a while and he is really into like the idea of firearms and stuff and like okay so that's a whole issue we're not going to get into that that's a whole different political thing but he's interested in how they work and how they go together and that whole thing so this game gunsmith simulator just came out uh, i want to say last week and they sent us a copy um, for review, but I'm like, you know, I'm not going to review it. I'll just I'll talk about it for a minute. Basically, you, it's a first person game on PC where you get sent guns in the mail and you have to like take them apart and fix them. They're like rusty or they're broken or the trigger doesn't work or whatever. And so what happens is you go to this like virtual workshop and I got to say the interface is really well done. I, I was watching over his shoulder because uh, this is not for me, but, you know, I was, I'll just check it out. He, he you you like get this gun, you explode it into its um, component parts. And it's really cool because on this virtual workspace, there's like a blueprint and the blueprint has a space for like every part in the gun. So when you disassemble it, like you know where to put it and you're not mixing up your parts and you're not missing anything. And so you look at all these different parts and you can see like really, it feels like a documentary almost about how, like how things work or whatever, you know, like you, this trigger goes here and the spring goes here and this bolt goes here and this is how the thing moves. And so if you're at all interested in like the mechanics of it, I think it's really well done. If this could easily be like a, like a, a, you know, Discovery Channel documentary on firearms or something or just seeing mm. how it goes. And then he takes the piece into um, the workshop. And having having been in a workshop in a work situation before, I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally what it looks like. Not a gun workshop, like another industrial workshop. But, you know, they had like a sandblaster and they had like the uh, the chemical dip and they had some kind of like metal polishing, which I've been around before. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this all looks like legit. This looks like real. And he was like sandblasting the pieces and putting the gun back together. And then you can take it out and like practice it on the range and shoot it around and stuff. I mean, if you like guns and stuff, I think this is really cool. And it's a different approach than the normal just shoot them up and kill a bunch of people. Um, I don't think there's any combat at all in this game. I think it's just working on the mechanics, fixing it, um, seeing how it works, the design wise. You can modify things and then take it to the, the range and see how it functions. So I think there's a lot of education there. Um, you know, it's not going to be something for you if you're not a gun person. But if you're interested in that kind of thing or, or, or a simulator that is not at all the norm. And I was actually pretty fascinated watching him do it, uh, even though I have like zero interest in guns. But uh, it was just really well done. And I think uh, if you have any interest at all, you should check it out. All right, cool. I will not. But um, <laughs> it does, I'm getting Power Wash vibes because there's a lot of like simulator games now. Where it's like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what this it feels like if you do this in real life. And uh, we did a very accurate job of it. <laughs> and you're like, good job. Uh, I think it yeah. is for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's also, just a quick mention, there's also, like, an economic part to it. I think there's a campaign where you need to, like, make enough money. You know, you got to buy parts. You got to buy stuff for your sandblasting machine or whatever. So there's, like, a an economic sim management, too, about that whole thing. And so I'm not going to get into the politics of, like, buying and selling guns or whatever. I'm just looking at it from this, like, clinical perspective. I think it's a, a really well-done thing. It looks cool. It looks great. Like, it's all 
easy to manipulate and manage. And it's just a, you know, a well-produced game that I think is a very niche population. But if you're in that niche, I think you're going to be pretty well served. All right. There you go. go. Gunsmith Simulator. All right. Moving on to the main portion of the show. We've got a lot to get through here. Let's kick it off with you, Carlos. Dragon Quest Treasures. And I have to say, I am very embarrassed because I feel like I usually do a pretty good job of keeping up on games. And this one, just for whatever reason, one kajillion percent not on my radar. I don't even know what kind of game this is, what platform it's on. I'm a little bit surprised because Dragon Quest is huge. And for, I don't know how it happened, but like, I didn't even know this one existed. So tell us about Dragon Quest Treasures. Yeah, the only reason I know is because, um, and what's funny is why you should know and feel even more embarrassed, is because it's, it was a Switch exclusive for a while. Uh, and you are Mr. Switch. Really? God, I don't remember this at all, dude. Yeah, and the thing is, it wasn't on any platform, including the other bigger con- consoles. And so... All of a sudden, I saw some tweet or something on social that said, hey, Dragon Quest Treasures, it just got like stealth dropped on Steam. Like literally, they didn't do any run up for it. They just said, it's it's now available. So I went over there and I was hungry for a JRPG like I always am and just picked it up. Um, and so what this game is, is very casual, kind of like the idea of you collect some monsters and a short campaign uh, JRPG with those kind of cartoony graphics that Dragon Quest normally has. It feels like Dragon Quest Eleven. If you played that, you did, right? Me, no, I don't play any of the Dragon Quest games. Oh my games. goodness gracious! I'm not a Quest Dragon 11. Quest fan. I know that's insane though, because that is an incredible game. Anyways, it's that same style art, third person. You know, same th- kind of uh, combat action RPG, jump around, um, and yeah, and basically you play as two kids. Eric and Mia, and you start off the, the game like on the ship, and you basically both want to go out in the real world and do treasure hunting. That's your, your whole thing. And um, and so the idea is that you get to an area without spoiling it, if that's it's not much to spoil, but you, you get, get to, to an area. No, don't tell me I get to an area. You get to an area. So no, that's it. Spoiled. I didn't want to know that. Yep. And you go to, to kind of create a, like a hub and go out and collect treasure. Treasure hunters, treasure. And the idea is that you also collect monsters. So it's a little monstery, Like Pokemon-y kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of that way. You bring monsters out with you in the field to go fight. Uh, not turn-based, remember, just all real-time action. Okay, okay. And it's just relaxing. Like, I haven't played enough of it to talk about it a lot. That's why it's at the top of the show. It came out of nowhere for me, for you. It, um, again, I don't know if it's your style of game. It's, it's but still in nowhere for me. I had no, I had no idea about it. Yeah. But it's like, uh, it's just relaxing. I just needed something... Uh, we'll talk about Diablo later. Uh, I'm playing a bunch of other kind of games that are pretty hardcore, let's call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is just like, you know, you, you need that kind of opposite side sometimes. So hmm. I recommend it if you want a chill time uh, that feels like Dragon Quest, but isn't quite. It's I heard it's like a 30-hour campaign. So That's a pretty sizable kind campaign. Kind of in between, yeah. And some people say it missed an opportunity to make a better story. But I really didn't go there for the story. It just went there for like an interesting little, you know, uh, distraction. Gotcha. And I gotcha. think that's what it is. Like, it's just relaxing. I like the graphics. By the way, I'm playing on Steam. My computer isn't the best computer in the world. And, you know, smooth 60 frames per second, really fun and relaxing. And yeah. And it's all about getting new treasure, which I love. Loot, you know, it's a loot game and finding new monsters. Okay. Dragon Quest Treasures. 
Check it out. Check it out. It's literally like (laughs) it came out of nowhere, maybe for some people, including Brad. Yep. Um, But it's just relaxing. I don't think it's a game for you, but anybody who liked Dragon Quest uh, in general or Eleven, you'll you'll like this. Okay. Right on. There we go. Um, I have a bunch of stuff to talk about, but before we do, let's talk. Let's keep it with you for just a second here, Carlos. Now you you were going to bring some VR stuff to the table. Is that correct? Yeah, so my thing at the end of the show, we talk about shows and movies we watched. One of the things I watched was Ready Player One. Because and you had never seen it before. No, and I think I told you on text, the reason why is because when I first went to go watch it or something, on streaming, not in a theater, um, I just was just so tired of CG, Yeah, which I still am. Um, and so I just stopped it because I knew like all oh, the most of this movie is going to be CG. All the movie, like ninety eight percent of it, yeah. Well, weirdly enough, now that I've watched it, you, I don't know when you've seen it last, but it isn't ninety eight percent of it. It's actually like seventy. <laughs> what, what I'm saying, there's a lot more real world stuff, especially at the end, um, that happens in the real world. Like there's a lot of good acting from real actors, not just CG. Right, right, right. Um, and I was surprised by that because there's a lot of <clears throat> again real world stuff. But yeah, so in the beginning, I didn't want to do that. So now I gave it a, a fair shake. And man, it's really fucking good. I am um, so stunned that you never got through this. I thought this was like Carlos the movie. I thought you would, I thought you this would be your jam. And when you told me you hadn't watched it, I'm like, wait a minute, did I read that right? Yeah. Can you understand my question? Because I'm sure he's seen this before. Like, I was so surprised, dude. Well, I finally did fi- finish it. I do like, without spoiling it, the shining part is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm not. I still don't think it's like the best thing in the world. It's not like Carlos the, the movie. Um, I think it's pretty good, but it, I just liked it more than I thought it would. So that's a long-winded uh, uh, introduction into. I was like, right, I need to get back into VR because <laughs> I do like being in another place, and I like my Oculus uh, Quest Two. So I, I booted it up, and I looked immediately for, of course, RPGs. It's hard. It's hard to find a good, true, like Skyrim type VR game. But I looked and I played uh, Dark Sword. Uh, so, Dark Sword is a VR game, which basically is there's a hub, kind of actually like Dragon Quest Treasures. And uh, in the hub, you upgrade and do all that kind of stuff. And then you go to this um, kind of circle realm area and you just fight monsters. So, it's kind of a roguelike in that way. Okay. It's just like pure combat. Like there's not just much pure like combat. Yeah. And, and collecting shit, you know, okay. so when you fight monsters off, you get like random stuff that drop. Um, and what the difference is when you're in VR, that can just be enough because it's already fully immersive. Right. right, right. Um, but I do want, and I'm still looking for that game. That's like the open world where I can just go do a bunch of shit. Um, we'll report it back on that next, next week or when I'm on the show next. Um, so, but this one, yeah, it's just like, it's relaxing. It's a kind of like you go in and fight monsters, but I thought it was funny and I brought it to show because um, they first start you off with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. and I was just eating shit. I was like, just dying all the time. I was like, oh, this is not fun. And then I realized that I could just hold the right hand trigger and a sword appeared. And oh. as soon as I got the sword, I was like, oh, let's do this. <laughs> and I just realized that I don't know. Like like the jungle taught me, I might be like good at melee in real life. Oh snap! We need to find out. We got to find this out. We yeah, take, we should go do to like local gym or something. Carlos becomes a melee warrior or something IRL as a segment, and we'll we'll film it for the podcast. We could bring like new weapons every week to the show. I mean, I would film that because 
yes, yeah, I was just standing in my room swinging my hand around. But the minute I got to Melee, I was owning that game. Hmm. It's like all the things I learned in the video games and and just hitting like, you know, box and X and circle. Yes, box. I say box. Box. Um, you know, that translated to my arms. <laughs> and I was like doing combos. And and what's weird is that the, the dodge, you know, there's that kind of move analog stick where you're going kind of one for one walking around, which is mm-hmm. kind of dizzying. Or there's the quick kind of running, which you mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know what they, they call that, but like the kind of go to hot spots and you kind yeah, of quickly like the jump teleporting between the yeah. hot spots or whatever yeah so they have one that's like a quick dodge and i'm like i am mr dodge roll so my right uh analog stick because i have two hands two controllers in them you know <laughs> well i'm trying to explain i'm using both no controllers. i mean some people don't have two hands dude i mean that's a real oh. situation so you are okay. you do have two hands using two controllers and then the right hand they both have analogs and so the right hand analog does the quick dodge so I was actually like, again, feeling like I really understood the space and I was just like dodging those fools and doing combos and it felt really good. So is the sword, is a sword one-to-one movement? Like whatever your hand does, the sword actually yeah. does or is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. Interesting. All right. The only thing that wasn't was that dodge, right? That dodge right, is doing a right. quick thing. And so I'm not going to dodge around the room one for one like that. No, that, that w- I would pay money to see that though. That would be pretty well, good. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's already happening and that that will be the next stage, you know? So I'll probably do that too. But I just felt, yeah, I just felt really good at doing that. And then when I go back to the hub, there was like a little, you know, creature, like a cat creature or something. And that was like, he was like, oh, I got the little upgrades for you. And then I went over to the actual like armory. And this was interesting. When I had to upgrade my weapon, I selected a button. But then they were like, okay, pick up the hammer and do it, dude. And I was like, oh, I actually have to hammer the sword to make it better. Oh, you mean you blacksmith your own sword yeah. to level it up? You yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And I was like, that's cool. You know, that made that's me funny. feel like I was actually going back to do something. Nice. Did it actually take you like three hours to do? And did you, was there danger of getting burned? No, none of that. Oh, okay. It was like six hits. But, you oh. know, <laughs> you watched the little meter go up. And I felt sure. like, okay, now I'm going back with my sword that I just, you know, made. All right. Um, I don't know. I just think that VR has such really cool immersive moments like that, that we're getting there. You know, we're, we're not at Ready Player One, obviously, but we're getting there. And, and I think for some people, it's really it could be really fun. Oh, right on. And that was called Dark Dark Sword. Dark and there's sword. something else after it. I forgot. But Dark Sword. The sword is really it's on bad. Oculus uh, Store. And there's uh-huh. like eight RPGs right now. You know what I mean? So Dark you'll sword. find it pretty quick. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, there we go. Let me talk for a minute here about non-VR games. A lot of my stuff this week has been on, not all of it, but some of it's been on Switch. Let me first talk about Rain World Downpour. And ironically, this is one I played on uh, PS5. Rain World has been around, I want to say, for a long time. I feel like at least like five years. Have you seen or heard of or do you know about Rain World, Carlos? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. 2017. Jeez. Okay. Wow. When even this came out. even longer than I thought. I and remember I seeing this game. I played it back then too. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I remember seeing this game a long time ago, and it just came out with a new, updated version for console. It's on Switch. It's on Xbox. It's on PlayStation Five. I played it on PlayStation. Code from the developer, uh, and they have a bunch of new DLC that comes with it too. The the downpour DLC. So I remember playing this back in the day and being really fascinated by it. What it is? It's a two D pixel based indie game. Where you play as a slug cat, which looks like 
I, I mean, neither a slug nor a cat. You're kind of like a long weasel type animal, um, pretty cylindrical. Uh, and this is 2D kind of like side view. Uh, you can crawl around. It seems like there's some physics involved in how you grab things and how you move around. Lots of pipes you need to like wiggle through. You're climbing ledges. You're jumping on things. Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a platformer, sort of, but not really. Like you're just kind of navigating. You're not really platforming with strength. You know, you're kind of just climbing around stuff. Yeah, and you know what it reminds me of? A What's ferret. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know you, I mean, like those little yeah. long, thin things that kind of kind of no, freak that, you out. Yeah, that's dead on. I think you're exactly right. You look like a like a long longish ferret sort of yeah. thing, more than a cat or a slug. So I'm not sure why they call you a slug cat, but anyway, yeah, so imagine a ferret that has like grabby hands and can do little jumping and stuff, which I guess is a real ferret in real life, so. Yeah. Anyway, um so this is one of those indie games that I was always interested in and I've tried it a couple times in the past, uh, and it just I kind of bounced off it. But I heard that they did a lot of fixes, a lot of accessibility stuff, a lot of new content. And it's been a while. I didn't realize it was 2017. So that's that's even longer than I thought. Um, so I, I gave it a shot. And I have to say, I bounced off it again, like almost immediately. Oh. Um, I really want to get into this because I think graphically it's really strong. I think the ruined cityscapes, the rain, the way that your animal moves the pipes and stuff like just looking at it. I think the pixel work is really strong, really well done. It's just a very visually appealing title and you kind of want to know more about it when you're looking at it. But when you play the game, it's one of those indie games that I find to be the worst kind of indie game. And I don't mean to insult anybody personally. I'm just speaking about there's a certain type of indie game where the person developing it knows everything about the game and they don't tell you anything. And they think that discovering is part of the fun. Now, maybe that's true for some people. I'm sure it is. But for people like me, or like me specifically, uh, I like to know a little bit more about the game. What are the things my, my character can do? What is the point of the game? What are the rules of the game? What am I, why am I here and what am I doing? The game tells you none of those things. Yeah. Um, you, I think they, they, there's a little, I don't even want to call it a tutorial because it's not even a tutorial. In fact, I thought it was an enemy at first, but it's actually, they're trying to give you hints and I tried to kill it. Because it looked like a monster, but it's actually this thing trying to trying to sh tell you trying stuff. Trying to help you, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was just was I you know I, it was just very strange. Um, so basically, what I gather is that you're in this place, and you need to walk around and eat moths. You can kind of try to catch moths if you can. Those go into your life bar. Every once in a while, it rains, and it rains like fuck, like it's like the craziest rain you've ever seen, and it's lethal rain. And so before it rains, you need to get into a safe chamber. And I didn't find very many of them, and they were really far apart. So I died a lot in this game. Um, and when when you die, you just go back. I don't know if it's a roguelike exactly, but you get sent back, and like all your stuff is undone. You have to do it all again, which is a huge bummer. Yeah, especially which, when you don't know the rules of the game, right? Exactly. And what you just said is, I remember when I played it the first time, I was like, "What do I do?" Yeah. And I felt confused, and like you said, the lack of tutorial, and then I was dying, and I was like, "That's the worst combo." It totally is, dude, because there's other mon there's lots of monsters too, and they are like snake like as well. They'll chase you through the tubes and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, where am I trying to get to? What is my goal? I don't know where the safe room is, or like I'll wander around and the safe room is way far away, and then it starts to rain and I can't get back there in time. Uh, and I just don't even know what even is the point of it all. And I get that there's probably a whole story and there's maybe a whole, there's logic to it, I'm sure. But this is one of those games where the developer's like, here, figure it out. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, I need a little bit more of a leg into this game. 
Um, additionally, the, it does not feel good to play. It feels terrible to play. Uh, the physics, I, I hate the physics where your, your dude is always falling off of stuff. Um, he can kind of jump a little bit, but it's like hold the button down and kind of push a direction and he sort of half hops over a little bit, but then you fall and you miss it. And sometimes you're supposed to grab these ledges or these wires and sometimes you grab them, sometimes you don't. And it just, it does not feel good. Like it feels like you were fighting the controls the entire time. So fighting the controls, plus it's really lethal between the monsters and the rain. Plus you don't even know what the object of what you're doing is. Plus you don't even know what abilities you have. It just is a very unwelcoming proposition. And I'm sure that there's probably... 80,000 Reddit pages of people who have clicked with this game and have discovered its secrets. You know, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but I am not that kind of person and I don't have that kind of time in my life to where I want to sit here for an hour trying to figure out what's going on and then get sent back every time I die and have to redo that whole thing again. It just, yeah. it was an exercise in frustration. And despite how cool it looks, I think it looks like amazing. I love the way it looks. It is just like 100% not my jam and not fun to play. And I bounced pretty quickly off it. All right. Well, I guess the redo didn't redo anything. No, there's, I mean, and I checked into the, the remix stuff. There's a, a couple different characters and I picked the easiest character and I still, I, I mean, it was way too hard from what I could tell. And there's a few other settings. There's a couple modes. It looks like a lot of this stuff is fan created stuff that the developer incorporated into the game. So if that's correct, that's really cool. Um, I'm sure I'm, this is one of the games I'm sure has a very dedicated community that loves this game like nothing else, Yeah. but you got to get there. And I just, I couldn't get there. It's just so. like we say all the time, there's either shows or movies or games that people just don't get or it's not for them. Yeah. And if it's not for them the first time, it might not be for them in the second time. Yeah. I was hoping dude, I was really trying to give it a shot, but just nah, it's not going to work. So rain world downpour. If you like rain world, here's a great version of it. There's more content, but this is 100% not for me. Um, okay, what is for me, though, is an interesting little game that came out of nowhere called Cramped Room of Death. You heard of this one, Carlos? I haven't. Brand new. Uh, it's on the Switch. I think it's also on PC. This is a really funny one. Very straightforward, um, top-down 2D puzzle game where you are a character who has a spear, and you're in this dungeon. And, I mean, I don't even know what the story is. The story is, like, you're in a dungeon survivor. Like, what? who cares? The story means literally fuck all, nothing at all. But what's good about it is the puzzle concept. So you have this spear. Um, you're, so the game is grid-based. Your character is the size of one grid square. Your spear sticks out in front of you the size of one grid square. So you're like you're like basically the size of a rectangle, right? And you're looking top down. When you go into these rooms, every room is like a really small room. And the hallways are really narrow. So when you turn to, to go a certain way, you're whacking your spear on the wall. And you can't turn that way. Or like you try to see an enemy and you go after him. But the spear is too long. And you like whack into the other wall. And you can't turn because the spear is too long. And you can't, you're stuck, right? And so the whole game is about navigating your spear and yourself you know, up and down and left. You try to, you know, like like parallel parking. This is like parallel parking the game. But you've got a spear. You know what I'm saying? We're like... yeah. You got to like back in and then turn a little bit and then back in again and then turn the other way and ah, too far from the curb and this is not going to work. Just imagine doing that with like a spear in a dungeon and that's exactly what this game is. I, I, I'm, I'm so out. <laughs> I can't even tell you how quickly I'm out right now. It's oh, I'm man. getting boxy boy vibes. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, but I, I actually really like this game a lot. I think it's really, really well done. Uh, I think it's easy to understand. 
I think the rules of the game are very easy to understand. They're very straightforward. And this is it's interesting because there's almost no tutorialization. Uh, it's just in the levels themselves. They they very smartly, like the first level is really easy, but you can see how your spear gets caught up on things. You're like, oh, okay, I got it. I got to watch out for corners. Got to watch out for left turns. I get it. I get it. And then they just slowly build on there, like different enemy types that have predictable movements, um, different building types, like there'd be a pit that you know you can stand out for one beat, but not two beats. Or there'll be like a block that falls and you know when it's going to fall or there's spikes, but you know when they're coming. It's all extremely predictable. There's no surprises. There's no gotcha at all. There's no guesswork involved. It's all pure logic. And I think all the puzzles are pretty small. They're all really bite-sized. You can get through a puzzle. I mean, if you're awake and you've had a cup of coffee, you get through a puzzle in like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever. If you played at nighttime in bed, like I do, maybe... Maybe don't do that because <laughs> every yeah. time I've gotten stuck in bed, I go, okay, I'm too tired. I turn it off. I come back to it the next day and I, I beat it like the very first time because I'm more awake. Yeah. Right? So you got to be sharp. You got to be paying attention. But I really like the concept. I think it's an incredibly funny concept of like this long spear that you just keep whacking on things and it's just really difficult to get through. Everything is narrow. It's funny. The rules are great. The puzzles are great. It's bite-sized. There's tons of them. Uh, there's also routes in each dungeon. So if you get to a puzzle that you don't like, you can go back and go a different way so you're not permanently stuck, which is great because I have gotten stuck a few times. And there's also a system which, to be honest, I haven't really leveraged, but I believe you earn points to buy keys to get you past rooms that you just don't want to do. So you can, if you have enough money, you can buy a key, get through that room, get to the next room and just move on so you're not stuck. So I appreciate that the developers give you a couple ways to get you unstuck if you're stuck, but also it's a very, it's a very specific kind of a logic puzzle, but I think it's very... Uh, very polished, very focused, very well done. And I just, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. I'm about uh, more than halfway through and I just do a couple couple puzzles a night and I just think it's really, really fun. Really, really a great example of a very specific idea executed well with cute graphics and good presentation and it just does what it wants to do and just does it. Cool. I dig it. I dig Check it. Check it out, puzzle people. And also the hit, the story was Brave Adventure Lance loved to party. But one night he ate too much and fell into a deep sleep. Which, by the way, does partying mean eating a lot? I don't know. I guess it does on the Switch. The vile Vizardians then stole his treasure and even took all of his weapons, leaving him only his giant spear. (laughs) Lance entered the catacombs of death to confront the thieves and recover his lost possessions. That's the story. There you go. Like I said, story doesn't matter. Forget, Forget that story. Partying too hard equals eating too much. I, I guess, I guess. But Cramped Room of Death, I think it's a blast. I think it's really fun if you want a different kind of puzzle game. It's a great fit for the Switch. Thumbs up for me. Definitely recommend it. I like it a lot. So there you go. Definitely check that one out. Uh, over to you, Carlos, for a circle back to Diablo 4. Still playing that? How's that going for you? Oh, we're not going to talk about Kill Squad? Well, I'm going to have that at the very end. Oh, that's the very end. Okay. It's coming up. It's coming oh, up. I, I spoiled the ending. Oh, no. I'll, I'll see myself out. I've been in the jungles too long. I don't know how podcasts work. Um, Diablo, I just want to, yeah, circle back. There's like 8,000 things I could say. I have very, very uh, scribbly notes, so we'll see what this does. I'm just going to improv it um, and what I talk about. But in general, let's see how I can talk about this. There's so much to say. Um, Right before the seasons came out, so I've been playing Diablo 4, beat the campaign, 170 hours or something into this game. It's been my main game. Dang. Okay. Um, I have uh, 
what you call it? my main character is like 75 or something level 75 world tier four have beat everything on the map you know and just kind of like uh going through and doing side missions and just having a relaxing time playing the game now that i'm like you know high level and the end game content for diablo 4 is is a problem because it's basically boring you know unless you're doing side missions it's just doing the same kind of dungeons to get xp and no one that's not really fun but for me, even in the late game, I've been having fun just doing side missions because they're not talked about enough, but some of them are really good, really fun little stories. Um, one guy like stole the sign to one of the bars because <laughs> he was mad or something. And I go to find him and then I opened up and a whole other story came out of that. It's just these kind of quaint little interesting stories. Uh, so anyways, doing that and then right before the season start, which the season's going right now, season one, um, which allows you and makes you reset, right? So you have to make a new character, which I don't know. Did you ever do that for Diablo 3? No, I did not. Okay. I, did not. I, did, I don't think – I think I might have once and then got mad that I had to keep making new characters. But you can keep your old character, right? Like you if you can. don't want to do the season, yeah. you can just keep your, your, your main guy. My level 70-something just hangs out in the eternal realm, kind of just always there. I can still you know load it up right, and play right, it. Right. Mm -hmm. But the DLC – you know, unless it's like, I think three did Reaper of Souls and did actual DLC for those Eternal Realm characters. But, you know, that's few and far between. What they really work on is the seasonal content. So that seasonal content is new shit, like story stuff. But it's also the battle pass. And it's also like, do a bunch of these things, like 10 dungeons, you know, and checklists, right? Which I don't like. I don't think either of us are a fan of those kind of checklists. Not really, no. Yeah. So, but at the same time, they give you new mechanics. And so the me mechanics for this one is these things called caged hearts. It, the idea is there's this, this huge malignant uh, overgrowths and monsters on the land now. And while you have to defeat them, you also get new pieces of them, which make you stronger. That's the whole thing. Okay. Um, but there's like a, a interesting little story beats that you get when you have finished a bunch of the kind of chapters. And those story beats, again, to me are kind of interesting and uh it's just few and far between to get to them so okay so that's the season everyone's kind of excited for it i played 170 hours i'm excited as well and even though you have to make a new character i thought it might be fun to try something different and right before they do a patch and i don't know if you heard about this is the the patch heard around the world or whatever uh is this the thing about um how they nerfed the wizard or whatever or is yeah they nerfed different? everything Okay. They basically like reset the game because they realized that people were just like doing crazy damage and just, you know, one shotting bosses and stuff. And they had figured out a way to like game the system min max, right? So they were trying to do a hard reset essentially, which wasn't fun because even my like level 70 character felt more, they call it squishy. You know, mm -hmm. they, it felt more like I could die more. Right. Um, right, right. And like immediately. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is like, really harsh nerfs so that was huge and everyone got really mad but what i want to say is really cool that the devs had like an immediate like emergency fireside chat stream uh -huh. and they're like yeah we fucked up bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we won't ever do that again that was like their first thing they said they're like we won't ever do what we just did again i'm sorry and that's like cool interesting like interesting. i like that they owned up immediately and then they said why, which is all the things I just said. They were just trying to rebalance because when the season comes out and a lot of people are start at level zero, you know, going to level one or whatever, they want it to be more realistic with the with the balancing. So 
okay, so that's that whole thing. And then I actually did start the season. I'm like level 30 now. Um, and it was just really fun. Like whatever they did balancing for my experience, mm -hmm. it was the right thing. Like it's like the character before that, yeah, we had done some crazy shit because it was like a free-for-all, right? There's like no season. There's no balancing. It was like, we're just like fucking around with this game for 170 hours. I see why that, you know, they kind of had to rein things in. And so, but I'm, my point is I played the season from the get-go, everything felt good. Like I wasn't dying a bunch. I didn't feel squishy. I was a barbarian again. And I just felt like, you know, it just felt really good and fun. Are you doing like the same campaign again or like what? Yeah. What so is that you like? don't have to in seasons. As long as you beat it at some point, you just skip it when you start a season. So I skipped it. I, I did pick another barbarian because I wanted to see the differences, you know, like how the, the cage charts they're called, like affected the build. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm really in the weeds on Diablo right now. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are also playing Diablo, so I think that's okay. But I guess for me, on the outside, like if you... So you played a Barbarian, you beat the game, you start seasons, you're coming back in. So if you skip the campaign, then what are you playing? So I'm playing to be in this new world where like they... In the seasonal world, which you can only play as a seasonal character that you made, you know, there are overgrowths. Like I said, it's called the Malignancy or whatever. Oh, the Malignant. And um, so there's like different monsters on the land now mm -hmm. right it's like a reskin in a way and there's also different dungeons with these monsters in them okay so and they've created some brand new content you're yeah, not just replaying the campaign again. right 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 you're not even touching the campaign right okay gotcha but then you have this other mini campaign that's happening which is this guy is trying to help destroy all this gross stuff right and you're going to try to help him do that and so but the thing is and like i said in my one of my reviews is like um i think i did this on youtube is that there's just those story beats are so few and far between because they want you to like grind a battle pass thing. That part's stupid. Like, I don't want to do that. You know, I just want the story. But it, it is a way to get essentially DLC for this game that you really like. And one of the last things I'll say is that this game has the one of the greatest dopamine rushes ever. Like, just doing the combat, specifically me with the Barbarian, like I dodge, I, you know, I have a PS5 controller. I'm playing on PS5. So mm -hmm. I get that vibration back when I hit really hard. And I just feel really good. You know, I, I'm playing a bleed barbarian, which means like I can hit enemies and just like leave. And then they just like die on their own. Damage and, over time. Yeah. Damage over time. And it's like, it's just fun to play. So like as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'll play for a second because it's like, it's just, you get this rush from it and it feels really good. So I, I love this fucking game. The patch did suck. I like that the devs came on and said, hey, we fucked up. We won't do that again. And they ought to, by the way, they already did a hot fix, which just oh, really? rolled okay. out immediately. And they were like, rebalance some stuff. Um, I just think that they have, have built a really cool thing. And the battle pass stuff is stupid. You don't need to use it because it's all cosmetic. Um, and I still stand by this game. It's fucking great. It's fucking great. Interesting. Interesting. It's funny that you talk so much about Diablo four because I bought it, you know, you, you sold it to me and I, I, I succumbed to the hype and everybody in the world was talking about it. And I just, it just didn't click with me. Um, but what it has made me want to do is go back to Diablo three. Actually. I'm like, Oh, oh I don't think I ever finished Diablo three. I should go back and finish that. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll come back to that instead. So, yeah, I think there's like two camps. It's like, um, yeah, well, it's, it's like there's multiple camps actually. Cause one thing I wanted to bring up, I wrote down on my notes. It, they, everybody calls an ARPG. I'm making a lot of uh, sketches on TikTok about it. And 
ARPG means action RPG. So I don't know why they're like co-opting the word because P- Path of Exile, POE, Diablo, some of these games that are always online and also, yeah. Kind I of, don't think these are ARPGs at all. That's not, that's not what I call them. But that's what they're calling them. and I think that's wrong. I think that's what I'm saying. I think it is too because it, an ARPG is just anything. Like uh, Dragon Quest Treasure is an ARPG. And that's not like this game at all. And it's not always online. So there should be a different word for that. Um, so that's a, a note. I mean, I think I think honestly they're just called Diablo-likes is what I call them because it's such a specific thing. And Diablo pioneered it so hard and everybody's kind of just followed that same template really. Oh. I just I just don't, you know, it's like Metroidvania. You say Metroidvania, yeah. you know what you're talking about. It's like a Diablo-like that's what it is. It's not an action RPG. I don't, there is not enough RPG in these types of games, whether it's not, not Diablo 4 specifically, but, but in all these, it's like, oh yeah, you get a little cutscene or something and it's fine. But like, it's not what I would call like RPG level stuff. So I, yeah. I, I do not put ARPG on these. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's funny that everybody uses it. Um, Diablo like, almost like Souls like, the one that you coined, right? Yeah, exactly. Almost coined. It came very close. Yes. But I will say this. This is why I like it. So the dopamine rush, the idea of just, you know, going in and fighting monsters, getting stuff, finding loot, it's just fun. It, it just works. Um, but the other thing is that, yeah, I said this in sketch, uh, sketches I've made, but like a lot of people on YouTube are like, okay, boys, here's how we're going to run this dungeon. Get max XP. You can get at least you know, thousands of XP per minute in this one dungeon. Then you finish it and you reset it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that style. Yeah, and I don't want to play that game for this reason. You know, I want to play it because it's like a cool world, and there are actually pretty interesting side stories. Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's funny that a lot of people are playing it for just that, and then they'll get mad at things because they're you know focusing on the XP stuff of it, right? Kind of reminds me of like Fortnite whenever. Um they change anything or they introduce a new element where if you're just goofing, it's usually fun. Like for example, when they introduced those mech suits a couple seasons back that took two people to drive, I'm like, Oh, these are fun as hell. I mean, my kid are right around a mech suit. This is fun. And all I could hear from the pros was like fucking whining and tears about, these are so broken and it breaks the meta. And I'm like, the fuck meta, off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, I guess if you do Fortnite for a fucking job, you're bothered that something changed. But for every other person, for the the 99% of Earth that isn't doing this for a job, it was really fun and neat. And you know, just changing things bothers a certain amount of people. But you can't you can't not change things because otherwise you stagnate and die. So yeah, yeah. I, I just think that there's another group of people that would really enjoy this game. Also, um, well, let me finish the thought. And so like. You know, don't listen to all the YouTube videos is all I'm saying. Like where they're yeah, saying, do yeah. a nightmare dungeon over and over again to, to to level or just play the game. You know, just like right. walk around this weird world and fight monsters and have fun. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that the thing I hate to uh, my last soapbox is that a lot of uh, people on the YouTube and a lot of these people talking about Diablo call some people who play it just a little bit and don't run nightmare dungeons casuals. Oh, and I'm so sick of that term, uh, especially they'll say like dad, gamer dads too. Right. And I, I'm not, I don't have any kids. You're right. That okay. You know of. That I know of. You're right. Um, but I'm not a gamer dad. Uh, I am also not a casual because I play obsessively amounts of games. That's the opposite of casual. And, but yeah, the, I would be considered a casual in some of these, you know, people's yeah, eyes. Whatever. So I, we have to get rid of all that terminology, just burned it to the ground. Because it's absolute garbage. Um, 
people play it games. It doesn't serve any purpose. Why are you even bringing it up? You're just trying to hurt somebody's feelings or something? Like, what's even the point of that? Well, they bring it up to... It's actually crazy because it, it has value, uh, which is bad value, where, like, they'll use that in, like, their arguments to the devs. Like, oh, we want this because we're playing it. You know, we're, like, the 1% or whatever, and then these casuals come in, and then they change all the rules or whatever. Right. Like, they make the devs go to the... Uh, the, the devs are working towards what the casuals want. No, how about just what gamers want, people who play video games? Uh, well, you know, that's dangerous because that happens in, in every game. Like any game that has a dedicated fan base, there's always like this contingent of people who put their whole lives, their entire life is poured into this game. And they're the people who like get mad about single frame changes or people who, you know, one point of damage has changed and they get really mad about it. And they play it so much and they're just in that world so much that they... They feel like they own it or they want they want things specifically to them. But that's that's death. That's killing your game, because once you start catering towards those hardcore people, you're excluding everybody else. You know, like we saw yeah. it with Souls, where those that that's that little contingent of people who wanted it harder and harder and harder. And the bosses got harder and harder and from kept making the games harder because they kept listening to that little vocal minority. Well, they turned off everybody else. And that's why they reset with uh, Elden Ring to open it up, give the options back, make things more uh, approachable to different people. And it was a huge success, right? And same thing with any game. Street Fighter did the same thing with uh, Street Fighter. What is it? Four, what is that? The most recent one? Six? Six, yeah. Six, where they gave you the, um, the new updated control mode, which the purists are screaming about. But if you are not a hardcore pro gamer you're like oh this is great i love it i loved it too so it's like you can't you can't design your game for your extreme one percent because those people are going to play regardless and what they want is not what everybody else wants and it's 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 death to do that and i want to say that's i agree but i also want to say like in defense of it's not in defense but like just bringing up the fact that a lot of youtubers have their livelihood literally sure. attached to making videos around these games so i get that but also you don't have to you can still do your content, is what I'm saying. You yeah, you don't do have to content. do the, the hardcore stuff. You can do more general stuff or whatever. You can do more general stuff, but also you can do your hardcore stuff. It's just not talk shit about the other stuff. That's all. Sure. It's just literally the talking shit part that I can't stand. So, like, again, please don't do that. It's stupid. And also, uh, Diablo 4 sold a gajillion copies, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, obviously, that was, I mean, if you want to stay in business, although Blizzard has more money than in, in anything, but. If you want to stay in business and keep your game alive, um, more people playing it is good, I guess, you know, right? Um, Gotta be. Of course it is. Yeah, for sure. But anywho, long story short, I love the game. I'm still playing it. Um, I just wish the chapters were shorter so I could get more story beats, but it doesn't matter. I really like uh, uh, the season. All right, there you go. Carlos likes the season, and I'll probably be coming back to Diablo 3. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a future show. Uh, all right, let me talk for a minute about a new game. I, I don't know if you've heard this one. You probably have heard of this. Maybe not. It's called Lisa uh, in capital letters. Lisa. Yes, Do you know about this game? I played it a long time ago. I played it on Steam. Yeah, this is. And a, I saw it pop up, and I was like, "Wait, am I going to buy this?" Because I this is right up my alley. But I was like, okay. "Oh yeah, I played it already." Okay, good. I'm glad you played it already because I had not heard of this. I didn't know about it, but I did a little research, and it was really interesting. Um, Publisher sent me code, so thank you very much for that. There is now Lisa the definitive edition which comes with two games the first one is called lisa the painful and the second one is called lisa the joyful uh i it's a 2d like rpg maker game or like game maker game like it's one of those engines that anybody can pick up and make their own game with so it's pretty basic from that perspective um it takes place in the i don't know a post-apocalyptic future where 
women have been wiped off the face of the earth by some kind of event. I don't know if it was a virus or what happened, but basically the whole earth is just pure men, which to me sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yes. Uh, I do not want to. I would do anything to avoid that future. Um, but then uh, the main character, whose name is Brad, uh, ironically, uh, he finds a baby and it's a baby girl and he raises the baby girl in secret because he knows men and a world full of men and you have one girl. That's not going to be good. Uh, but then she gets like kidnapped at some point and he goes on a quest to go and get her back. Uh, so interesting premise, um, kind of dark, kind of weird, offbeat a little bit. Uh, but it is 2D side view, pretty basic graphics. Um, and it's kind of like an RPG, kind of like an action game. It's really strange. And to be perfectly honest, um, I'm really curious if you remember enough about this game, Carlos, because... I don't even know what to even do with this game. It's one of those strange RPGs where it feels a little bit like Earthbound in some ways, but not yeah. in other ways where any it feels like anything can happen where you don't there's not a, a traditional difficulty curve. There's not traditional quests. You're kind of just wandering around trying to make things happen. And like, for example, I was in one level walking through. Um, there's a guy that you can like. Uh, avoid or you can fight. So I like the option to sometimes avoid, sometimes fight. But then there's these caves. And because it's on a 2D plane, they don't have like a 3D map and there's no way to kind of keep track of where you're at. So like one cave goes to the next part of the game that you're supposed to go to. One part of the cave or the next part of the cave is dark. And if you go in there, they're like, don't come in here. And I'm like, well, are you serious or am I supposed to come in here? No, no, they don't want you to come in there because it's, you get killed with these super powerful monsters in the dark. And then the third part takes you to this field where there's poisonous snakes and you're not ready to fight the snakes. And so I'm like getting all these options right off the bat was like, I was kind of confused about where to go and what to do. And I'm not sure how to progress. There's also some interesting uh, verticality elements in this where it seems like they play a lot with height where you can survive a little bit of a drop, but you can't survive a big drop and your guy can't jump. So you're often trying to like look for ways to like get above something and then drop down on it, which is, I guess, okay. I wasn't like in love with it, but you know, that was fine. But the real draw to this game is the story. Uh, the writing is just so bizarre and really, or just really offbeat, unpredictable and random. People are named random things. You fight people for random reasons. And it's all generally like pretty nihilistic and pretty like black and negative, just really Yeah, it's dark. a downer. I mean, yeah. literally the title, uh, the caption for the game says, the miserable journey of a broken man accurate very accurate yeah. yeah it feels very accurate it feels like a little bit like the concept of the last of us except for instead of being happy and joyful like that game is it's 10 times more dark if that makes any sense yeah yeah i just i i struggled with it because and honestly the thing that i struggled the most with it is the same points are few and far between and you can die easily like you can unexpectedly die uh, like a snake can kill you or like you get bum rushed by like five guys at once or like anything can happen. Like there was, I, I couldn't find a difficulty curve going on here. It just seemed like random events. And so I died a lot and getting sent back to the last far away save point was a bummer. Um, just did not care for that. And I got to say the combat did not work for me. It's a weird kind of a first person combat sort of where like you're, it's like a dragon quest, like old school kind of RPG combat. You see a guy and it'll say like, Oh, buff Barry approaches or something and you fight him. And your, your guy kind of like has combo punches and like, depending on what button you push, it's like a, like a, a martial arts combo. But 
I was getting my ass like handed to me left and right. Like I did not feel strong at all. I felt really weak. Yeah. I'm not even sure like how to level up. It just, it's one of those weird, really random indie games that, um, again, kind of like rain world, I feel like is definitely not for everyone. And, um, I'm sure there's a core of people who really like it. But for me, I was like, everything about this game was just not pleasant. And I, I guess that's probably the point of it, but I, I, I just didn't even know what to make of it, man. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, a lot of what you said is spot on, and uh, the combat is definitely earthbound. Like, that's just straight yeah, up. Ish. Feels yeah, like for earthbound. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember eating shit, too, in, the, in fighting and not liking that. Like, you can have a downer of a story, but if I'm just, like, dying because I can't play the game well, that's not great. Um, yeah. So I remember dying a bunch when I played it the first time. I didn't beat it, by the way. Um and I do remember why I noped out is because I did, I felt confused, which I like, because again, I like how random it is. I think the Power Rangers are in it. Like it just- It wouldn't gets, surprise me at all. Yeah, It gets really weird and I love that. But then I felt like confused on what to do and also dying. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to keep playing. Yeah, um, It might be interesting to go back to, but I don't know if I want to. I, I feel like if the combat was easier, but I can't, I don't, you just played it. So, well, it's funny saying. you say that because there is a new mode. I don't know if this is new or if it's old or whatever, because it's my first time playing, but you get like this party member who is worthless. He like attacks for like one damage. Um, he doesn't really do anything. I think he's there for laughs or something, but like he says, if you use this item that I'm going to give you, it makes the, the combat way easier. So you could do an easier combat, but I just, I was like, that's not even really the point. Like the, the combat is not great, but that's not really what's kind of putting me off. It's like the rest of it. Mm. it, it for example, I got to this one section um, and I guess it's this game's idea of a joke or something, but like you get to the section, there's a guy who's taking care of orphans. It's literally like a group of eight orphans. And he's like, oh, little Timmy's playing with matches. Oh no, he said that, that brush on fire. Hey, mister, will you please go get that bucket and let's put out this fire. You get the bucket and it's full of gasoline. And so you end up dousing the kids with gasoline and burning them to death. Oh, so geez. I, I was like, that. holy shit, what? And I'm like, OK, so I reset the game. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not I'm not burning orphans. Are you fucking kidding me? So I go back to the game. Timmy plays with the, the match. The thing gets on fire and he's like, go get the bucket. And it, actually, the bucket you're supposed to get is like down the level and up a mountain or something, because um, after you burn the kids, he tells you to go get the other one. So I'm like, no, no, no I'm going to get the other one first. You can't. You can't go get the other one first. If even if you know where it is, oh, you have he wants to, to burn tell the, kids. the joke. They want yeah. to tell the joke. So course. like you have to burn the kids, and I'm like, okay, so that's really distasteful and really like not cool. And I mean, I get it's a video game. No orphans actually died. I get it. I'm not a prude or anything, but just that kind of humor, I guess if you want to call it humor, or just that kind of writing, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I'm in the. Yeah, I don't know that this is for me, man. But it's interesting because. After I after I bounced off of this, I was like, okay, I want to see what other people have to say about this. Dude, the reviews, 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it was like I was in the Twilight Zone where everybody's like, oh my God, love with the message of this game and so nihilistic and great and they're doing it for a point and I loved it and it was just amazing. And I'm like, wow, I, I mean, people can say what they want to say. I'm not going to take anybody's opinion away from them, but... I don't know, man. I'd feel real weird giving this game a 10 out of 10, dude. So I'd like to see what they do near the end, though, because there might be this interesting message, too. So I've heard it's a terrible message. That, oh, really? Uh, that goes back on the themes of the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, let's stop anyway, talking about it for now. Lisa then. Definitive Edition is out. It's not for me. Maybe it's for you. Maybe there's maybe there's something there, but I couldn't find it. And I 
I don't think I wanted to find it. So okay, all right. Um, next game I'm gonna talk about is called The Wandering Village. This is one. Oh man, I have waited a long time for The Wandering Village. I've been very excited for this one. Finally came out on the Xbox Preview Program. It's also on PC. Uh, this is a I don't know town builder, city builder sort of a thing where you have a group of villagers and you're building um, you know town huts, doctors' offices, uh, you, you know kind of like a Sim City sort of thing, but just like small scale. The the hook to this and why I was so excited about this is because your village is on the back of a giant monster. Oh right, it's a giant six legged monster that walks. Uh, it's as big as a you know it's as, it's it's as big as Nebraska or something. It's this giant monster. And your little village is on its back. And so you have to construct your huts and your kitchens and all the resources you harvest, like rocks and trees, are growing on its back. And I just love the idea of this little wandering village where you build things. But then also this monster is going through different territory. He's like crossing a desert. He's crossing a forest. He might find another big monster to fight. Who knows? Right. And so you're kind of like tagging along on his back. That is a great concept. I love that concept. Xenoblade. Xenoblade has that member. Oh, because you're in the body of those giant robots and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh, monsters. They literally look like this. There's a couple that look just like this. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, also, also yeah, real quick, it came out in 2022, this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, PC? If you weren't, yeah, for PC. And this is there's an update right now. I think that's why it's probably on Switch and other consoles. Yeah. yeah. It's called the Ocean Update. So Exactly. Thank you, yeah. So it came to Xbox, and uh, they sent me a preview code for the, the early access version, the Xbox preview program. Um, so I cracked into it, and... I don't know. I I ended up being kind of mixed on this one. Um, I love the concept. And it's really cool because you can zoom in real close and see your little villagers and they're walking around building houses. And it seems like any other little town builder, right? But then you zoom out and then it's like, okay, I can see that my village is on a monster. And then you zoom out even further and you're like, oh man, my monster's in this giant territory. And you can see just like playing with the scale is like really fun. And I think that's really a cool thing. Um, but really quickly, I kind of got bored of it. I feel like, um, okay, so let me back up. The, I'm not a fan of these games in general. Like, I am not a guy who plays every one of these in this genre. But one game that I did love is Frostpunk. Did you play Frostpunk? Did we talk about it? Yeah, we, must we talk talked about it. about it a lot. Yeah, we did. Yeah, talked sure. about it a lot. I love Frostpunk. Frostpunk is the best because, number one, you can pause at any time. So there's not, like, that feeling of, like, real time, hurry up, hurry up. There's a great story. The things that you do have an effect on the world and you can see what happens when you do them. Like if you build uh, things that build more coal and you sap, you sap your coal mines, it has an effect on the people and you can see cause and effect and it feels like you're, you're building things for a purpose. And then there's the larger story of like, don't get frozen to death. Frostpunk is like the, the ultimate shit, dude. Like it's like, I love it. Everything about it is so smart and well done. So every game that I play like this is going to be measured against Frostpunk, which is a, a tall order granted right um so this one i started playing it but like i really quickly got the feeling that like it didn't really matter that i was on the back of an animal um it didn't feel like anything was going on there it felt like i was doing regular city builder stuff town builder sim stuff and i was just like a lot of funnel resources you're trying to get like your resource thing where like you're you're collecting people are bringing the berries back to the kitchen and the kitchen's got to make a certain number of meals and the people got to eat a certain number of meals and build houses. And then you got to like, you know, there's like this long tech tree of stuff where it's like, okay, here's your ax. And then there's like a sawmill. Then there's like a, a wood mill, like, you know, like whatever. And it just really quickly felt like I was just focusing on micromanaging the tech tree and the resource flow when that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like, what's different about being on the back of this animal? What makes that special? Why, what are we leveraging here? 
And the way that the game interprets it is like, oh, the animal is walking through um, a poison swamp. And so sometimes poison stuff will appear in your village. Okay, I get it. That's fine. But it doesn't it doesn't really feel like a big capitalization. Um, I didn't hit any fighting of other monsters. Um, he was going to walk through the desert, which meant that the berries I had been growing weren't going to grow. So we had to switch to growing cactus because mm. we were in the desert. I mean, okay, I guess. It just didn't feel like... Uh, it just it just felt like different weather patterns happening or like yeah. different random events. You could have done the exact same thing without the monster. It could have just been a village where it's like, oh no, drought. Now we got to plant cacti just as easily as the monster walking into a desert. It didn't really feel like anything we did connected with the monster. We weren't like in, in sync with him. It wasn't like symbiosis or anything. Yeah, It was just like we just happened to be there. And then otherwise, it was just like every other... Set up your resources and make sure that you've got the ever-expanding tech tree of the nine different kind of sawmills and they each are like a little bit more powerful than the last one. And it, it just got kind of... I just felt like I was doing a lot of stuff, but I wasn't really feeling like the world or like I wasn't in tune with the beast and I wasn't really like, you know, like just a lot of menus and stuff. And I just, it just I was like, man, what a great idea, but I don't, I don't see how this really comes together. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny you should mention that uh, and this whole idea of this game, the Sim game, because right now on Steam, SimFest is happening. SimFest, okay. It's like for four days, they just like feature a bunch of uh, Sims and um, demos for them. And it's interesting because all the stuff you said, and we talked about Frostpunk before, it just sounds like a normal Sim game. Yeah. And it, it's it's doing this idea that they probably were really excited about, which is being on the back of a monster. Which is such a cool idea. It is. It's just like it doesn't seem to to come into the actual gameplay enough. Um, but there are so many other games that I think even you would enjoy that like are part of the SimFest I'm looking at right now that are doing everything you just said, basically, you know? But oh, really? It, okay. But they're just not on a monster. You yeah. know, they're not on the back of a monster. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a bummer. I just, I just wish that like, you know, and it sucks too because I saw this game a long time ago. So I had all this time to imagine what it would be like. And my, you know, my imagine probably imagination ran away, but it's like, you know, just more interacting with the monster more or communicating with it or doing some kind of a, just, I don't know, just something else. I just, oh man, I just feel like it just didn't get there for me, which is a real, real shame. Expectations though. We always say it's very true. Very true. Okay. Final game of the show coming up. This is an interesting one. It's called kill squad. Uh, And again, we got sent some uh, codes from the developer. Carlos and I both did. So thank you very much for that. Playing this on PS five. This is a, I don't know, I guess top, like isometric twin stick shooter where you have five different aliens. There's like uh, one or two melee aliens. There's a couple gunner aliens. There's one that's got uh, a sword or something. So there's a mix of aliens there. And you kind of go into these missions similar to like something like a Helldivers is really, really kind of what it triggers for me. Or Diablo. Um, I'm, or I'm, Diablo. I'm telling you, I got Diablo vibes when I play okay, it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense too, for sure. Um, so you go into these levels and fight monsters, team up with people online, and at the end of each level, you get some loot like you normally do. Uh, skill tree, uh, level your guy up, customize him, etc., etc. There's nuances to this that I really want to talk about, but before we get into the weeds on this, so I played it for maybe like maybe like four or five hours, Carlos. How did you? Uh, how much time did you put into this? A little bit? Just a little bit. All right. I can talk for... So, okay, I have, I have, I have some things to say. 
but I'll let you talk first because I feel like I'm going to like get carried away here. Um, before I go, I did like it. Um, I have some some things that are maybe not great about it, but overall I liked it. What did you what did you make of this, Carlos? So I didn't get to the point where you said at some point you have to join other people, mm-hmm. um, and I'm allergic to that. Yeah. Um, even in Diablo, there's like uh, you know you have other people that you're fighting monsters with just kind of randomly. And it never like it's, you don't have to have voice chat on. It just happens, right? Right? And right? It's right, kind right. of relaxing. By the way, I yes. didn't bring that up, but like there's events and like world bosses in Diablo. Okay. Which you know I've joined many of them now, and it's like it feels really good to be on a team. Just don't die. You know, you just try to make sure make yourself not die. Yeah. Maybe you can buff the people around you here and there, and then you feel like you all accomplish something together. But then you just split up immediately. You know, like. Right. Yeah. Don't ever talk to each other. I like that experience. So I don't know what, and you can tell me what the experience is after, um, but I just play the, kind of like the early stages. Yeah. And I would say that it reminds me of, yeah, Diablo, Helldivers kind of style. It also is very colorful. Yep. Um, I actually am not a fan of how bright and colorful it is because I felt like it kind of impeded on the graphics. Oh, like interesting. I, like I felt like for my TV, I had to like adjust the TV. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I think I you're indoctrinated by Diablo 4 because that game is dark as fuck, dude. Well, okay, there's that. I'll give you that. But also, I don't know what kind of TV you have, but I have like a QLED blah, 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 fancy. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. it's super vibrant. And so like, it hurt. Like, it was like, this is really day glow. Oh, interesting. I didn't have that issue, but that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, your, your TV is like all dusty and there's like smoke and... It's uh, just I a normal, it. I have a normal, okay. it's just you only like a year old. It's fine. It's a fine yeah. TV. Um, I, in my mind, I just saw like, like this caked on dirt. No, I dust, I dust my TV. There's no dust on my. Why TV. would there be on your TV? I know. Uh, so okay, it was fun enough. You know, it was like I, I didn't love the dodge that I had. Of course, I picked a melee character. Um, there's like a robot person with a big hammer. That's yeah. that was me. Okay, gotcha. Um, you know, the dodge was L1, which I guess you could maybe remap it, but I hated it being at L1 mm-hmm. on PlayStation. Um, so I was missing the dodge sometimes. I felt like I was just eating shit and I don't know if you could tell me, but I don't think there was a health potion that I could just use. I just felt like I had to find them. There are, Is that you right? have to kind of unlock them a little bit. It's like after you get one or two levels in and it's kind of, they kind of like low key downplay it, but you do get these, um, health potions. You can map to like the D pad. Yeah. Okay. In the beginning, I don't like that. The, the, your first stage, you don't have them. Yeah. You do not have them right away, which so is, so I was like, good. I was just eating shit sometimes. And I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I have to attack more, you know, cause when you attack, you get the health pops up out of the enemies you beat. Yeah. 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 Anyways, then I found a boss, I fought a boss and I beat it. Um, and there's special moves. Uh, I know I'm tanky. I'm a tanky melee character. So they were very slow. Um, I just didn't feel very, you know, powerful and I felt like it was a little bit clunky, the controls mm-hmm. and it was very, very day glow colorful. Um, and it, it, for some reason it gave me vibes of outer worlds, which I like. Oh, uh, I can see that in the, in the, in the environment, in the environment and the making and the, and the feel and the characters. And I was like, yeah, I, I think maybe I could be in here for the long haul. Cause I like some of what they're doing art direction wise, but those colors I don't like. I just, I, for some reason, I don't know if it's TV, it's a Carlos problem, but they just felt really bright. Um, Interesting. But yeah, okay. I just had an okay time with it. I didn't play it enough to know that if it gets, how it changes and how co-op works, but that's my, the most I can probably say about it. All right. Well, that's fair. Um, I, I think I definitely liked it more than you. And I think it, the key to that was kind of like switching around until I found a character that really clicked with me. 
Um, I started the base guy who's like just like a gunner type guy and he was okay. Uh, and then I tried the sword lady and I was like, yeah, that's all right. I don't know. Um, I didn't try the guy that you play. I haven't even tried him at all. I tried the alien guy that's got like little drones and I hated him. I was like, this sucks. But then I, I did the robot guy who's like the healer. He's got like a damage overtime laser and he can drop heals for teammates. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like I, I did this, this guy. This is clicking with me. So I found somebody that I liked. That helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting game in the sense that it is kind of like a game as a service, but it's also kind of like a campaign game. And those two things don't often go together, which I found to be interesting and and pretty cool actually um so how this starts is like there's a series of missions and each mission is set while the level topography is randomized like you're not always gonna have the same left turn or the same mountains or anything but it's always the same mission like the first mission is always like kill this golem the second mission is always like defend the point the third mission is always escort the car or whatever um so you'll still do the same mission goal so you know what you're doing but every every level is is randomized so you might be doing something in a different way or in a different direction or something is different about it which i appreciated but i liked it because it kind of had the feeling of like progression of playing a normal like top-down shooter game where you just have these missions which is great you get these you know resources i felt was kind of off i didn't feel like i was getting very many resources um you have to collect money. You can buy better guns in the store. And there's also like a um, an elemental system, which I wasn't a huge fan of. So it's like before you start the game, it'll be like, hey, a gun that shoots fire will be really good here. And a gun that shoots metal will be really bad here. And so you can kind of spec yourself out before you go. But that's a little bit more fiddly than I want to get. I don't I don't think that really has a lot of value to it. Um, I think that's just a way to get you to buy more guns and have an array of guns rather than just buying one really good gun and keeping with it. Um, but that's not a big problem. I mean, a lot of games do that. But um, I did like the the missions and I liked how you, you progress there. Your guy or your, your girl or whoever, your character, your aliens, they have this skill tree and you can customize them as you go. The more missions you, you beat, the more skill points you get. And then you can unlock branches on your tree. So like even though you may be playing like I'm playing the healing robot, somebody else can be playing the healing robot. But our powers are different because I might lean into I might lean into the the heal where like instead of dropping just a heal, you drop a heal that doubles healing if you don't touch it for like one second. And then if you touch it after one second, not only does it triple the healing power, but it also puts out like an AOE heal. Yeah. So like I really lean into the healing, whereas I could be playing with somebody who's leaning into the uh, the gun that he's got. So it does damage over time, but then also it shoots extra bullets. And also if you hit more than two people at once, it triples the power. So like you could be like the same character, same same type, but like kind of like your barbarian, right? Like you could be a bleed barbarian or you can be well, like that, a whatever I was just going to say, it sounds yeah. like a build. It sounds yeah. like a Diablo build. Yeah, totally. Which I thought worked really well. I thought that was really great. I like the ability to do that. And it did feel pretty different to me. Um, I think the problem was I wasn't unlocking enough skills fast enough because what we got to was the ramping difficulty, right? So like you can kind of do the first two or three levels on your own, no problem. And, but the further you get, um, it just gets really tough. And I guess you can just grind the earlier levels, buy better guns. And I guess you could just try to one man lone wolf it, but that's not really how this game is meant to be played. Um, I did play with a couple people, uh, randos, uh, a few times. And when I did get to do that, it worked really well, uh, where we would just go in and there was no chat. There was no dialogue. You don't talk to anybody. And I don't believe there's any way to troll each other. I think it's, it's gotta be just forced helping which is really similar to the hell diver system which is why that, that system works so well um there's really no benefit to trolling anybody and everybody's working together and you don't talk to anybody which is great um so when i got to go with people i think that worked well but there's not enough content for the single player and there's not enough people playing right now that you can just jump in uh because what ended up happening was 
uh, I think pre-release, I ended up grouping up with like one or two other um, critics that were playing the game for review. And then the game dropped. And as soon as the game dropped, I think I got one more game with somebody. But then after that, I didn't manage to get a single game. Uh, I I hosted a few times, uh, like public hosted where anybody could join. I tried to join other people's games that were in progress. I just could not get it to work. There just was nobody playing the game, which is a, mm. a problem yeah. because this is a severely multi-focused player game. And it's not it's not skewed to where you can do the whole thing on your own if you want. And even if you did, it's kind of dull. I mean, I think a lot of the fun of this game comes with working with someone. Um, the most fun I had was like just kind of buffing people, dropping the heels, kind of supporting them a little bit while they were doing the heavy lifting of, of damage over time. Um, so with without that, it's just not popping on all cylinders. Um, I think that there's a lot of systems that they could steal from other games. Like, for example, Monster Hunter or Helldivers, like when you get into a mission, you can send off a flare to be like, hey, I need somebody to help me in this mission right now. And then the game um, behind the scenes will prioritize other players joining to join you in that mission. Right. But they don't have that system. So I would I would frequently go into a mission that's open to other players and never be joined by anybody. Finish the entire mission. No one showed up. I couldn't find anybody else. Um so that was a bummer. I think it's a real problem, and I think it's a real um, warning sign for this game that they better do something to get players in, like ASAP, or else it's it's gonna die. Um, I also think that this game has apparently been in early access for like two years, so that's a long time to be in early access. At least it seems like to me to be a long time, and I kind of would expect this game to be a little further along, uh, run a little smoother, have a little bit more content, uh, have a better um, uh, multiplayer system. It feels like it's just getting started, but if these guys these guys have already been working on this game for two years and this is where it's at, I feel like it's still a little bit behind the curve. So I like it a lot. Like I really had fun playing it when I was playing it, but I just you you can't level up anymore unless you finish missions, and it's really difficult to finish missions without other players. And if no one is playing, then you can't really get in and dive in the way you want to. So I feel like they're kind of oh man, I hate to say it's DOA, but like I mean I played this game on launch the day after launch two days after launch and there was like nobody playing i can't so, i don't normally I mean? subscribe to this but and i've actually actively been against it the idea of like when you release games you know what i mean because i've said like before to go back you could release elden ring and god of war and whatever the new xbox whatever gran turismo all on the same day and there's different people want to play different games yeah for right? sure for sure for sure this might be the opposite of that where Diablo's out. Um, yeah. And this really felt like a Diablo-type game, like a sci-fi. Yeah, for sure, yeah. You know, uh-huh. for sure. It felt like Outer Worlds world. But in Diablo setting. Yeah, and if it was out right now and I and Diablo wasn't out and I was hungry for a Diablo-like, to use your term, yeah, um, yeah I think I would probably play it more or look for more gamers on there, you know? But that might be part of what it's hurting it, really. I mean, like, everybody and their mother is playing Diablo 4. It's true, it's true. It's, it's interesting, too, because... It seems like they want this to be a, a game as a service, but they are so close to having this be a traditional single player campaign that you could just have multiplayer bolted onto. Right. Um, that would be, I think, honestly, the better way to go. Like if if you did every level, if at the end of a level you got a brand new weapon, and if, if they had like planned it out like a difficulty curve over the course of a campaign 
and little milestones you can hit along the way so you can kind of work towards things and your survivability was better as a single player but you could have friends join you i almost think they'd be better off doing that because by pinning so much to the multi and then having no one show up for the multi yeah i mean you're killing yourself but there's a lot to really like about this game i think the character design is fun the outer worlds vibe like you said is cool uh the diablo style or the Helldiver style i think really works for me um i i genuinely had a good time when it was working like when i had a person with me um I mean, I guess you could probably maybe get some friends, like buy four codes and give them to your friends and get together and do that if you want. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a, a great game in search of an audience uh, that I don't know is going to materialize. Here's the two things that I think they could do just so I don't know if they're listening, but like because I did like the style at least. And again, yeah. sci-fi, having a sci-fi version of a Diablo, yeah. it's hard yeah, to yeah. find, right? So I will say this. One, you know, a lot people play it on their own. Like I played Diablo 4 uh, mainly on my own for like a hundred hours, right? Yeah. Beat the campaign, did all this stuff. And then I was like, oh, maybe I will go and co-op with my friend, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's first thing, like build it so that I don't need to have to co-op. And then secondly, I, they probably can't do this part, but what Diablo 4 did well is that that type of multiplayer, like I just told you about, that just kind of comes in and out. Right, 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 right. It doesn't. You're not. You're not like lobbying up, like the ambient multiplayer. People just yeah. popping up, yeah. Because yeah. if you do it the other way and there's no lobby full, then you can't do it. You know. Yeah. So I think that. I mean, that's a reworking yeah. of like the mechanics. But the oh, first, God. the yeah. first thing yeah. they could do, which is just like, you know, um, balance game balance, the one player story part. Agreed. And just yeah. let me just go be that robot and do it. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you actually reminded me of something else that I, I had a problem with was. When I was in a lobby, like I would, I would start a lobby and um, I would be like in a game, somebody would join, but then it would be like, I don't know what we were waiting for. Like, like for example, like when you play Helldivers, I love Helldivers. They do everything like really smart in that game. And I feel like other games should steal from them because they did it right. But basically you're in a lobby. As soon as you're in a lobby, you get like a 10 second countdown. So it's like, we're going in 10 seconds, whether you're ready or not, get fucking ready right now because we're not waiting. And then you go. Um, that needed to be happening here because we, I would get in a lobby with someone um, when I was still playing with the reviewers. We'd be waiting and like one guy would be fucking with his gun or whatever. Like like you could see he was in a stat screen doing something and we're just waiting and waiting. And, I mean, it was like minutes, dude. I don't know if he got up to get a cup of coffee or what, oh, but it was like... You can't wait for other Yeah, players. you can't wait forever. Like put a fucking timer on this thing and if he's not ready, he's not ready. And like, you know, like you got to like keep it moving and there was way too many places where I was like, what's going on? Why are we not moving? Why are we not playing? Yeah. Like we need to get it going. But... I feel like all I'm doing is bagging on the game, but actually I really like this game a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of potential here. Um, I feel like they are so close to getting something really cool. It just needs some tweaking. And I know they've been in early access for two years or whatever, but I think they just need to like look at it in a slightly different way and maybe make some other bigger tweaks. But I feel like it's close. It's like, it's like a Turkey sandwich and it's got, you got good bread and you got Turkey, but you got nothing else. And you know, it's going to be a good sandwich. But you got to add like some mayo and you got to add like a pickle and a little bit of cheese and then you're cooking, you know, like it just it needs a little bit more of that stuff. Yeah. But great base stuff. I really like it and I, I hope it survives, dude. I genuinely do. I do, too. I mean, again, I, I like parts of it. I just the day glow thing, the color. I don't know. I got to look at my TV. Yeah, I, don't, um, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem. But maybe yeah. it's me. And then secondly is, uh, yeah, I just feel like I want to be able to play it on my own. Agreed. So. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. But that is. Kill Squad. It's on PSN right now. It's on PlayStation. It's also on PC. I don't think it's on any other systems right now. Uh, but check that out. It definitely needs more people playing. And if you play, probably a pretty good chance you'll meet me online because I seem to be the only person who's online. Yeah. 
Anyway, all right, that is the show. Uh, that's all. Those are all the games we're going to cover. We do have a couple more things before we go here. Carlos, uh, anything non-game related you want to cover before we go? Yeah, I will also mention that next week I'll talk about Remnant because um, I've been kind of dabbling in that. Remnant 2. Remnant out. 2? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah just, uh, I saw Ready Player One. I told you that. I think it's a good movie. By the way, it's on HBO, so you could just watch it. Oh, okay, available for streaming just yeah. for free there? Okay. Uh, if you have the Max or whatever it's right. called now. Right, right. Uh, also, I watch Glitch on that same platform. It's a very, very good documentary on um, this app called the HQ. It was a trivia game on your phone. It was a huge sensation, and there's a really good documentary about it. Um, you wouldn't think that that'd be something you'd be into, but it's really good. I have never heard of this thing. They were like, oh, it was like a worldwide sensation. I'm like, really? I never even heard of I it. I never played it either, by the way. How but, is it a sensation if we've never heard of it? Well, 100 million people played it or something. So like, I guess. Uh, okay, 100 million is too much. I think it was like millions of people but um so there's that and also i finally saw flash because it came to vod oh the as recent well. movie with with ezra miller yeah yeah i know what there's probably he's got problems right the, the he's got major problems okay we're not talking about bars. the actor we're talking about the fucking movie sure sorry not it's not geared to you i'm just so tired no of no I get, I get you i get you you're cool um so but i i just wanted to say because it was billed to me as back to the future uh meets um you know, the, the DC universe yeah, and a multiverse thing story. So I was like, okay, all those things sound fun. And by the way, long story short, you know, it was an enjoyable time. It was VOD. So I was just watching at home. I think I watched it in one sitting actually. Usually I separated out a movie. Same. Uh, but I watched it in one sitting and had a good time. The main problem I had with it though is the very beginning of the movie, you know, they really lean on CG in this movie. It's like, like we were just talking with Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, this one might be like 80 or 90% CG. But the very beginning is like, you know, he's Flash's got to go save these babies who are falling out of a building. I don't know if you've seen this scene, but it's kind of a meme. No, no, I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. All the babies are CG. So it just immediately looks like fucking whack, like really stupid. So there are all these CG babies falling out of the buildings because they can't obviously do green screen, throw babies around <laughs> IRL. Yes. Please don't do that. Anyone don't. Do yeah. That. Yes. And so it just looks fake the whole time. And they do this thing where they try to superimpose, you know, Ezra's face on the CG flash too, which looks bad. I just think all of it looks fucking terrible. And even the actress who's like falling, there's like a nurse. She's real for a while. And then she, the minute she falls out the window, she's CG two or something. It just looks fucking stupid like so bad hmm. and i'm just like how do you start your movie this way like maybe put it in the middle of the movie where we are all used to cg happening a lot you know right, right, right. it just made me like disgusted and the reason i probably noped out of ready player one the first time with the state of cg that we're in right now at some point we'll get even more realistic which are really close but it's that uncanny valley that just looks like we're watching a cartoon yeah, and yeah. If, if if the whole thing's a cartoon and an anime, I'm down. A uh, good example is Spider Verse, right? Like I love that thing because it was like an artistic, all of its art, you know. That is that is its intentional style. Yes, not its budgetary limitations. Right? Yeah, yeah. We can't throw a bunch of babies out of building. Also, they could have just not had a bunch of babies. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to fix that scene. It's, it's funny, dude, because I've heard a lot of people say that it looked bad. I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but like. It's funny because I actually it's been a while for me since I've seen CG where I'm like, oh, that looks terrible. Like I, it's been a while. Like I feel like things are in general pretty good. And even though sometimes, you know, it's CG, 
it I haven't had a stinker in a while, but this sounds like a real stinker. It's a real stinker. It, the whole thing is. And by the way, here's the other crazy thing. The whole idea is that he could go back in time. It's based on comics that are. Oh sure, yeah, out. he got, Flash goes in fucking time yeah. travel all the fucking time. And so when they do the scene, it looks cool. Again, if this whole thing was an anime, I'd be like, that scene was so cool. But it looks, it's all fake. So like basically he sees like moments in the past mm-hmm. all around him. And that setup is cool, again, in like a Spider-Verse way. But it's it's bad CG. So none of it looks real. So even though it's supposed to be his real past, it's like, oh, his real past is made up of CG characters? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what his past is. Oh, there's his mom and dad. They're CG mom and dad. Yet in another scene, we saw them as real people. That sounds really strange. I wonder. I wonder why they did that so much. Um, yeah, and, and literally in that scene, they could have just put the actors in there, right? Like this is a movie from yeah, the eighties. Yeah, it would just been like a bad effects, and like you see like kind you of would a green foggy. screen them in or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just whack, dude. The whole thing. And by the way, uh, what's his name? Michael Keaton. Wait, wait, the- I was just, wait. I was just going to ask you about that. I was oh, just yeah. going to say. Uh, I like The Flash on TV. I think that The Flash TV series is quite good, and we were a big fan of that. Uh, I have zero interest in seeing this movie, but I was um, bummed because I would be kind of interested in seeing Michael Keaton return as Batman. So how was how was that part of it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because they brought in a few different like multiverse you know actors. Yeah, without spoiling it or whatever. But there's more, um, but he's a he's a pred- predominant one. He's like a main one. And um, it was cool to see him back, and he felt just like the old Michael Keaton um, or the old Bruce Wayne, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it didn't feel out of place at all, weirdly enough. He actually felt the most grounded because guess what? He's a great fucking actor. He's a great actor. <laughs> yeah. And um, and, he, and I won't spoil it, but he had a really cool ending to his arc. Yeah. So I liked him a lot in it, actually. And it reminded I, me of- I would be uh, down for a Michael Keaton Batman movie, just Michael Keaton. I don't. It could have just been him, yeah, by yeah. the way. And what's the other one? Um the movie he was in where he was he flying or wasn't he um oh come on the one take movie oh uh, i know what you're talking it's like the vulture or something like vulture, that Vulture is that right birdman 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 yeah. that's what it was yeah so it felt like at times it felt like birdman you know gotcha. it's like oh yeah so that was cool again watching it at home because it was had to go didn't have to go to theater it's kind of cool i like more vod please put more new movies out on vod um but yeah i think it was silly like it was like I can't believe you said yes to this. Yeah. You, you're going to let people see this? That's a shame. That's yeah. a shame. Oh, well. Well, I heard it uh, lost crazy amounts of money. I don't know if that's true or not because the studios are lying pieces of shit, as we've seen with the SAG after a uh, strike and protest right now. So, but, but regardless, I do kind of believe they have lost money on this because it did not, I'm not hearing anything good about it. So, yeah, they did get like $15 from me, though. Well, there you go. Give it to the actors. Yeah, or the producers or the gaffers or whoever. So that's it. All right. Um, I'm watching American Born Chinese on the Disney Channel. It is it has Michelle Yeoh and a bunch of like really, uh, really notable uh, Chinese actors. This is, I guess, based on a graphic novel that I never heard of. But basically what, what it is, is uh, a kid who is a first generation Chinese kid. And his parents are both from emigrated from China. Uh, he's having like, you know, some cultural issues. There's been a lot of films that focus on what is it like to be a first generation kid in America uh, if your mom and dad are from a different culture. But also um, some of the gods in Chinese heaven are at war and um, the, the, the child of Sun Wukong, the monkey king, comes down and he, he recruits this kid 
to help him in his quest. And so there are cultural issues going on about what it feels like to have a mom and dad who have this strong Chinese culture where he is like, just wants to be American. But then also there's this mythological elements with like the warring factions of heaven and like Guan Yin and, and Sun Wukong coming down and everybody's oh, like okay. demons are showing up and they're kind of like this like big mashup, but there's also like a lot of Kung Fu in it. There's also a lot of growing up. There's also a lot of comedy in it. Um, it's like, it's really, really good. I think it's really awesome. Um, my, my 14 year old is really identifying with a lot of what's going on there. And I'm really appreciating the Chinese actors and a lot of just the, the elements. If you know anything about Chinese mythology or about even just Hong Kong flicks, there's definitely something here to like for everyone. I think it's really well done and it's only eight episodes and they're only like half an hour each. So it's like a pretty quick, you can even binge the whole thing in a day if you wanted to make some popcorn, maybe go to the bathroom once or twice, but you can get through the whole thing. It's really good. I think it's excellent. Very, very well done. Digging cool. it. Um, went back to rewatch a little show called Cheers. You ever heard of that, Carlos? I have heard of that show. Yes. Yeah, I uh, we finished. My son and I are big fans of The Office, and we wanted another comedy, but we've already watched The Office all the way through once. We watched like the entire Office like almost two times, and we're like, okay, I could watch it again, but we should probably watch something else. And he's never seen Cheers. He didn't even know what it was. I mean, it was like you know from decades ago. But I'm like, you know, Cheers was The Office before The Office was The Office. You know, would you like to give this a shot? He's like, yeah, cool. So we're watching the first uh, season now. I think it's on, I don't know, Prime or whatever series, whatever service we got it on. And like, I got to say, dude, like a lot of it really holds up. I was kind of worried about, you know, it was like the early 80s and like some of that stuff is not PC anymore and standards have changed and everything. But like a lot of it really holds up. Um, The one thing that I was not prepared for was the laugh track. I... I guess oh, I just yeah. didn't realize, I guess when you're growing up watching it, you don't think it's a thing, but we have gotten away from shows, or at least I have, of comedies that have laugh tracks on them. And so to go back to the laugh track, it was really like mind bending for a minute to hear the people laughing and my kids going, what's going on? Why are they like, who's laughing? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, that was just a thing that we did on TV to cue the audience in when to laugh and stuff. But um, seeing Ted Danson so young and um, Shelley Long and... Uh, you know, like all of the different character actors there, you, you know, people forget that Frazier started on that show and mm-hmm. like all of these like big 80 stars are showing up, like guesting on the show is like really cool. And it's just, it's really funny too. I think it's, it really does hold up, man. We haven't come across anything that was really like embarrassing, groan worthy, inappropriate from the eighties, you know, like we haven't come across any like off color gay jokes or any real racial jokes or anything so far. I mean, I'm sure it's coming cause it was the eighties, but uh, it's been, it's been good. Been a pleasant surprise. Cool. Actually, yeah. that's a tangent for me. Um, and by the way, people should check out more older shows just to kind of see what, what happened and yeah. what we lived through. Um, I just finished, finally, the six-hour YouTube video that I've been watching every pretty much every night when I eat dinner. Uh, it's by YouTuber L.S. Mark, and he ranked every Simpsons episode ever. Oh, I heard about this. Every Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, sometimes it's like just a few words, like it's boring or whatever, or like, or he'll do like a minute maybe or two on each one. Mm-hmm. But he literally did all of them for 32 seasons. I mean, how many episodes is that? Because that's, isn't Simpsons the longest running TV show? Yeah, it's like 700 episodes. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. So I sat through all of his things as well. He had to film it all, but I had a, I listened to all of it because it's enjoyable for me and to watch, you know, go downhill, obviously. Um, but I just finished and then he ranked the, at the very end, he even ranked them all like literally individually, just gave wow. him, gave him numbers. Um, and then what I'm doing though, and this is for people listening, 
you don't have to finish six hours like I did, uh, although I enjoyed doing it, is that um, now I'm looking at the top 50, mm-hmm. and I'm going to Disney Plus and watching them. The top 50. What is the top yeah. number one episode? Do you know? Oh, I think it was... Uh, not, I can go to it real quick. Hold on. Um, it was probably Bart Gets an F. Bart Gets an F is one of the top. Hold on. I'm going to it right now in real time. Real time. We're going to it right now. It's happening because the the wonders of the internet. We can, we can do this in real time. It's happening. It's hard to 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 get granular on a six hour YouTube video. I know, right? With the mouse button. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to time. do it right now. Okay, get to. Oh, it's it's the one that I love. It's grimy. It's Grimes. Um, uh, the enemy. Uh, Homer's enemy. I don't know if I've ever seen that episode. What the fuck, bro? I, you know, I'm not a hardcore Simpsons viewer. So okay, have- it doesn't matter. Anybody listening now, this is why I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. Okay. Go to everybody who has Disney Plus, go to Simpsons and look up Homer's Enemy. Uh, I think it's, I forgot which season it is, but you'll find it. Um, holy shit. It's like, it is fucking great. It's basically okay. a person from the real world coming in going like, hey, Homer's dumb, right? Like, and, he, and he's ignorant and he's, and he's bad for society potentially. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a two it's a double-edged sword because and i'm kind of not spoiling it but one he's pointing out you know the third part like uh what's it called fourth breaking wall breaking whatever. The fourth wall yeah and like the the audience is like looking in but secondly it's also like even though you don't like respect somebody you know it's how you handle yourself you know when you don't like somebody so it's a very good message it's a fucking great weird funny episode Interesting. All right, cool. Well, I guess uh, for people enemy. who need to bone up on their Simpsons knowledge, like yours truly, good resource to go YouTube, check out those. And watching the top 50, I think, would be a great way to get caught up with, with 32 million episodes or whatever that The Simpsons has. So excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. A uh, couple more things from me. Um, went back and started watching Star Trek The Next Generation with my, my kid. He's never seen it before. Uh, we know we watched The Orville with, um, what's yep. his name? What's that guy's name? McFarlane. Okay. Seth McFarlane, yeah. Uh, and we really like the Orville a lot. I know that Seth McFarlane is a pretty divisive character, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to choose a side on that. But uh, on this show, on the Orville, he was very clearly a Star Trek super fan, uh, and he did a great job. I feel like those episodes were really positive. Um, they put the LGBT community in a really positive light. Um, there were a lot of good episodes that they talked about societal issues that were happening right now. So regardless of what other people um, think about him in other contexts, in that particular context, it was great. And we love that show. So I was like, yo, the Orville is over. And I know that you really liked it a lot. Would you like to see what inspired the Orville? Because honestly, the Orville is just straight up like homage. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll check it out. And it was really interesting to go back to to season one of Star Trek Next Generation, which is older than I thought it was. Like, for some reason, I didn't think it was that old, but it's hella old. And um, seeing all those actors being so young again and how cheap the sets were and everything, I was like, oh, my God, I don't remember it being that that low budget and stuff. But it totally is. And it's interesting just to see how how much it grew over time, uh, because I don't know if anybody remembers Captain Picard is a fucking dick in season one. Like, he yeah. is a dick. I don't like season one, by the way. I like Next Generation a lot. Yeah. It, it looks super budgety. It does, And yeah. he feels off as a character. He does, In my yes. opinion. Yes. It just doesn't feel like they figured it out yet. Yeah, they were still trying to find their beat. But, like, you know, he's, like, outright rude to a lot of people. Everybody in the ship takes a dump on Wesley Crusher. Like, they all just oh, take man. turns being that's why he became. That's why he became a meme. 
is because oh of how mean they were to him. Yeah, it was a. It's like it's like absurd how mean they are to him on that show. Yeah, and just all the weird stuff that happens. There's already been like two like hypersexual episodes so far, which is also kind of like weird and and mind blowing. But it's it's a trip going back to it, and we have been enjoying it. The son really liked it, so I think we're gonna stick with it. But revisiting some of these old things are really 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 strange. Really strange. Yeah. Oh, um, by by the way, yeah. just real quick to finish it up. Uh, Yes, check out Next Generation. Homer's Enemy is episode 23, season 8. Okay, there you go. Excellent. So you have it, and you should watch it with the kid. We'll do that. Um, final thing I'm going to call out for the show uh, is a TV series from England or UK called Zomboat. Zombie Boat Mashup Zomboat. It's like eight episodes. Episodes are like half an hour each. You can totally binge that in a day or two days or whatever. Basically, what happens is a zombie apocalypse uh, occurs, and these people escape on a boat. I have never seen a boat like this before, but I guess it's a European thing. I guess it's called like a, a narrow boat. Do you know what a narrow boat is, Carlos? I don't. I, I didn't know about it until the show. It's a really narrow boat because I guess the canals in England are all man-made and they're all pretty straight lines. And so these boats are fucking long, but it's like you live on this boat. It's like a houseboat, but instead of being a square or whatever, it's just like a super long, super narrow rectangle. Anyway, they hop on this boat and they're trying to get to London to safety. And so the whole show is like each episode, them fucking with the boat or trying to get down the canal. It's comedy. Like it's comedy. Like there's a lot of jokes, a lot of goofiness. They do a lot of dumb shit. And it's just, it's really funny. If you like British humor or, you know, you want like a little zombie action, that's not hardcore at all. Uh, Like for example, one of the jokes in the show is that the boat is so slow that they in episode one they get chased by a group of five zombies and those five zombies are following them on the shore every single episode for the entire series like the boat is like edging along the same five zombies in every episode it's really really funny it's very clever um this light and fun had a good time with it and you can watch it quick it's not a it's not a big investment so i thought zomboat was really good and really uh a fun time so there you go that is a show carlos anything else no is that a show i think that's it all right, folks, as always, send us your questions and comments. Hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where are we sending your traffic this week? If you want to see some funny Diablo sketches, go follow me on TikTok. All right, where should they go if they, they want to see unfunny Diablo sketches? Um, follow me on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> Carl yes Sadella. and yes and yep. right. as for me i'm on every platform uh you know the drill it's my name b-r-a-d-g-a-l-l-a-w-a-y all a's no o's and this is going to do it for episode three four six thank you so much again and thank you for welcoming carlos back to the show he will be back here and there looking forward to having you on the show again sir thank you all right and for me uh that's it we'll see you next week we'll see you next week Perfect ending. Perfect dismount.